0: Okay, well, our scripture this morning, we have two passages we're going to read. One is in 1 Kings 17, the other in 2 Kings chapter 4, and I believe we have the scripture for you, but you may have it on your phone or brought your Bibles with you. I'm reading from the New International Version this morning, 1 Kings chapter 17, and then 2 Kings chapter 4, where we have recorded for us two separate incidents that involve two of the prophets of God, Elijah and his protege, Elisha. Uh, in the second story. So the first one is Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning to read at verse 8. The scripture says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And she, as she was going to get it, he called and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. There was a famine in the land and so she fully expected to starve after that last little meal. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain in the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. And then we turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, reading verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. And this, of course, involves Elisha. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. I believe that there is a place in our walk as sons and daughters of God where God wants every single one of us to live and to minister, whether you realize it or not. And when you get to that place, when you experience that place, it's a place that you do not want to leave. And that place, very simply, is in the anointing. In the anointing. Now, you might say, well, what is the anointing? Very simply, the anointing is the power of God that enables you to fulfill His purpose at a given time. And that power is in a person. It is in a person and in the presence of Jesus Christ, the anointed one, who comes to live and to minister his life through you, like we heard in the testimony this morning. God's anointing is not just the power to stand on a platform and preach, or to shout, or to jump up and down, or whatever the case may be, though it certainly can involve that. God's anointing is the power to witness, God's anointing is the power to pray. God's anointing is the power to do spiritual warfare. It's the power to minister the miraculous. But the anointing of God is also the power to enable you to live your everyday life as a chosen son and daughter of God. The anointing is what sustains you in dark times. The anointing will get you through the death of a loved one. The anointing will get you through the devastation of a rebellious child or a divorce. The anointing is what sustains you and enables you to walk in the ways of God, whatever hell brings your way, whatever life might bring your way. Simply put, the anointing that comes from God brings results. Hear me this morning, saints. There will be no growth in your walk with God without the anointing. There will be no fruitfulness in your life without the anointing. There will not be any joy without the anointing of God operating in your life. Now, you may be wondering, well, then how do we walk each day in the anointing? Elijah, in the story this morning, has something to say to us that I believe has to do with how we keep the anointing of God flowing in our lives. Now, as we read the story this morning, we saw that when he comes to this widow in Zarephath, she's she's preparing a fire to make one last meal for herself and her son. I won't get into great detail, but in the Scriptures, the idea of a widow has to do with destitution. It has to do with hopelessness. There really is no means for sustenance. There's no means of really believing for a future. Because the provision, the provider in your life, in that culture, in that day... Was the man and he is gone, you are completely at the mercy of others. Now, when Elijah asked her for bread and water, she tells him they've run out of food, and all she has left is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil, and when it is gone, she and her son are going to die. You know, when I read that scripture, I thought it really, to me, points to the condition of many Christians today. We are the children of God. I don't know if we realize that. We are sons and daughters of God, of God Almighty, the Scripture says, and the oil of the Holy Spirit is in us, but sometimes we feel like we're drying up. Sometimes we feel like, though the Holy Spirit lives within us, it feels like we're dying inside spiritually. It seems like there's no real life there. There's very little anointing. I think if we're honest this morning, some of us would have to confess that we don't have very much of a devotional life. And maybe the little bit of devotional life that we do have, we, we, it's so hit and miss, and even when we do it, we kind of do it begrudgingly. I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us would say, yeah, pastor, I know what that's like. I know what it is to say, well, I got to read the Word. Don't really feel like it, but I just kind of feel guilty, or I feel like, well, I haven't done it for a long time. And it becomes a burdensome thing that we do. For many in the body of Christ today, we want to serve the Lord, but there's no fruit and there's no joy. I really believe today that in the modern church and our Western culture, many believers are like this widow in Zarephath. Rather than living for Jesus, we're really simply preparing for spiritual death. We're not expecting a whole lot. We don't really see that much of a future in the things of God. We don't really experience or hope for any kind of provision. We just accept our lot where we are, and we resigned ourselves to living Christian lives without any sense of expectation and any sense of joy. You might as well say, spiritually speaking, we're just waiting to die. We're just running on on empty. We don't have anything to give. And what I want us to see this morning in this story is that Elijah gives this woman instructions to prevent the oil from running dry. And the first thing I want to share with you this morning that has to do with examining your attitude. The first word Elijah gives this woman is he tells her she needs to maintain a right attitude. He says this. He says in verse 13, Don't be afraid. Hear me this morning, friends, for the miracle to take place this woman had to receive the word of God from her despite the fact that she has been living in a drought for years. This is, in, this is in Palestine, okay? This is in Israel. When there's a drought, it is bone dry. It's a desert place. There's no water for miles. There's no food around. And when Elijah says to her what he said to her, she had to receive that word and actually believe that she and her son were not going to die. She had to stop believing what she had been seeing day after day after day. She had to stop believing what everything around her seemed to be saying and believe the word of God that she's not going to die. She had to renounce the fear and renounce the unbelief and receive the word of the Lord that she and her son are going to live. I believe this morning there's a spirit of fear that holds so many of us in bondage. There's a spirit of apathy. There's a spirit of unbelief. That so many of us in our culture today, in the body of Christ, we have believed the lie. We look at our world and the direction it's going. We look at circumstances around us. We look at things we go through. We look at the temperature of our own spirituality and how we're feeling at the moment. And we never believe that we can truly live life to the full. I mean, let's be honest this morning. You can raise your hands with me on this one. But how many of us have ever experienced a time where God has done something new or fresh in our hearts? or He's shown up, or He's just touched us in a special way, maybe in worship, maybe outside in the workplace, wherever it may be, but whatever good thing God does for us, it's not long after that that we begin to think this little thought, I wonder how long it's going to last. Anybody? Don't we do that? It could be here Sunday morning, wherever it may be. Lord, that's wonderful, but in the back of our mind, I don't think it's going to last much longer. Sometimes we allow the flame of God's fire to diminish in us, and then we feel unworthy to start over again. But we can't get our faith, we can't let our faith be choked out by fear and unbelief. We know the words of Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. He said this: the spirit that God has given to us does not make us timid, not fearful, but instead his spirit fills us with what? With power and with love and with self-control. That word power very simply means the ability to act or to produce an effect. Paul is saying, wherever you may be right now, whatever you're feeling, like this widow of Zarephath, however dry you may be feeling, you've got to understand there is a river inside of you. There is a person, there is God himself, the Holy Spirit. There is an anointing that's been given to you that will never be taken away, but you can let it dry up. And you've got to understand that the spirit that God has given to you is a spirit that has power. It has the ability to actually affect change wherever you may find yourself. To the believers in Rome, Paul said this, the spirit we received does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. And with that spirit, we cry what? Father. Do you hear that intimacy? Father, another translation says, Father, my Father. And what that means simply is this, is that the work of the Holy Spirit in you and me, one of the things he does is he cultivates a new attitude. Isn't there a song about that somewhere? I've got a new attitude. I can hum you a bar or two, but I can't remember all the words. But he does that. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to actually choose to lay hold rather than lay down. He gives us the ability to lay hold and move forward of what is ahead rather than lay lay down, accept what is now, and prepare to die. How many of us here this morning, if we're honest, would say, Pastor, that's where I am. I'm basically in an attitude of laying down. I'm in an attitude of not believing for life, not believing for a future. I'm just kind of laying down spiritually and dying. You see, the anointing gives you the joy and the ability to not only be a child of God, but to actually live like a child of God. And as Leon touched on this morning, there's a big difference. I want to encourage you this morning, friends. Don't believe the lie that your spiritual life is destined to die a slow death. Do not accept as normal a life that never knows what it is to minister in the power of Jesus' name. Don't accept as normal a Christian life that goes day by day by day but never knows His anointing. Don't be paralyzed by fear and end up losing everything God has given you. According to the Word of God, if you obey what the Word of God says to you, the anointing can begin to flow again. But another thing you have to do is you have to establish your priorities. Elijah's second instruction addresses those priorities. When the woman told him her problem, Elijah had a very interesting response. I don't know if you caught that. We read it earlier. But this is what he said in verse 13. Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. What did she say? I'm getting some sticks together. Going to make a fire. Going to cook one last meal. He said, go ahead and do that. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. That sounds pretty selfish. That sounds pretty insensitive. And you know what? There are times when you feel dry, and God has a word for you, but it's not always joyful. Sometimes this word to you sounds selfish. It sounds insensitive. How many have prayed whatever situation you find yourself in, and the Lord lays something on your heart, and your first thought is, God understand." No, no, maybe you misunderstood. The word first is very significant here. Elijah knows full well what this woman has said. He knows that she is preparing her final meal, that all she has left basically is enough to make a last meal for herself and for her son. But before she does it, he says, she needs to make something for the prophet of God. But I really believe that what Elijah was communicating to this woman was a basic spiritual principle that we need to understand. And that principle is simply this. You need to give first to God. You need to give first to God. Now, that doesn't apply only in the financial area. It also relates to every other area of your life. The question is this. Do you want God's anointing? Do you want God's blessing? Do you want his empowerment upon your life, your family, your job, your relationships, your ministry, whatever it may be? The answer is very simply this, friends. Commit your life to God. Doesn't that sound simplistic? But let me ask you this morning: where is your commitment? Where is your heart? You need to commit yourself first to God. You need to let Him be the most important thing in your life. And what you discover is when you make Him truly the center of your life, that this same God who doesn't owe anybody anything will give you everything that you need. That's just the way He is. I've never known anyone who, having put Jesus first in his life or her life, has ever run out of blessing, has ever run out of provision, But you also need to be obedient. That's the third principle here. you got to be obedient. Try to put yourself in this lady's shoes. You're in the middle of a catastrophic national crisis. There is a drought. There is nothing around. There's no food. All you have left is this little bit of flour and oil. You're going to eat it, and then you're going to die. And then this man of God comes to you full of compassion and says, before you feed yourself and your son... I want you to give me something. Now, what would you have done? Think about it. This is real life. These things are written for our understanding, the Scripture says. What would you have said to that prophet? Would you have just blown him off? Would you have said something sarcastic and then gone on your way? What would you have done? I don't know if I would have done what he said. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 18, God likens himself to a potter, and he says, you and I are like a mound of clay that he takes into his hands and he molds into a vessel for special purpose. Paul says this in 2 Timothy. Those who cleanse themselves will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. And friends, one of those purposes... One of those very special purposes of any container, any vessel that God has in you and me is that we be filled with oil so that we can be a blessing to others. Friends, we have been anointed by Jesus Christ in order that we may be a blessing to people, in order that we may minister with signs and wonders. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 16. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. But here's the problem I find. Somewhat like Leon alluded to earlier. Instead of obeying the Lord's leading, we can become afraid. We can feel intimidated. We can be insecure. We can lose our faith and we can end up disobeying. But here's the problem. If that becomes our pattern for life, if that becomes our practice, if we accept the lie that we're not really anybody special, we can't really believe for or do anything out of the ordinary, that these kind of things happen in other people and not in us, if we continue to ignore the prompting, if we continue to disobey to step out, if we walk away that after the third time and keep on walking and don't come back, what you discover in your life is that something happens. And that is the anointing begins to decrease. And God's ability to use you begins to fade with it. Another hindrance to the anointing is simply sin. You may be here this morning and say, you know what, pastor, I'm willing to be used by God. But the fact is you're unwilling to let go of sin. And here's a simple truth. Either the anointing will get rid of the sin in your life, or the sin will get rid of the anointing. The two cannot coexist. They cannot walk together. We need to be obedient. We also need time with God. Elijah tells this widow to go home. He says, God's going to do an amazing thing, but you need to go home. You need to close the door behind you. Our anointing for ministry, I believe, is directly related to the time that we spend alone with God. There is no secret formula. In fact, the Lord has made it, I think, as simple as He can. And He says, if you don't have a quiet time with me, if you don't have time alone with me, if you neglect that time, you just will not see the Lord work in your life. You will not hear His voice, not because He's not speaking. But you don't know His voice anymore. Somebody once wisely said, if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Let that sink in. Will you say it with me? If you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. The Bible says, always be joyful. We talked about that last week. Never stop praying. What does that mean? It means always have a heart that is tender and responsive. That when the Lord says, Look, would you come away for a couple moments? You do. When the Lord speaks to you, you quiet your heart and you communicate with the Lord. It may be at the desk, it may be in the car, it may be in your quiet time, whatever it is. We we all remember what C.S., not C.S. Lewis, um, Smith Wigglesworth once said. Uh, the great miracle worker, man of the faith in the early 1900s, because he had such great demonstrations of power like Jesus, that in my name you will do these things, and those things characterize his life. An uneducated man, a man who knew the word of God, loved the word of God, loved God. People would always ask, because people want the secret formula. They said, Mr. Wigglesworth, how often do you pray? He said, I never pray more than 15 minutes. But he said, I never go more than 15 minutes without praying. That's the key. What he was saying is that it's not a set time. It's an attitude that says, Lord, this is the day that you have made. And as I walk through this day with you, I just want to commune with you when we need to. And he walked in that attitude of prayer that the Scripture is talking about here. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Anointed men and women of God that have been raised up from generation to generation to speak to their generation have been people whose prayer lives were rich and whose prayer lives were consistent. Prayer has to be a regular daily practice for any follower of Jesus. How many would say amen to that? I mean, if you want a decent marriage relationship, you kind of need to talk to your spouse, don't you? Once in a while, throw her a bone, whatever. There's got to be some communication there. In our walk with God as a follower of Christ, there needs to be prayer. But even more so for those of us here this morning who would say, Lord, I want your anointing. And I want your anointing to actually increase in my life. I don't want it to dry up. I don't want to prepare it to die. I want life to be flowing in me and through me. That's exactly what Jesus did. That was his pattern on a regular basis. Jesus comes away from the stuff to get alone with the Father, and there he received a fresh anointing. And finally this morning, I want to talk about the need and the principle of sharing the anointing. Elijah and Elisha, of course, have similar names. They also have very similar ministries. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, we read that Elisha performs a miracle for a widow, just like Elijah did. In this case, it was the wife of a prophet who had died. The prophet died and left a sizable debt with his wife. His wife had no means whatsoever to pay, repay that debt. And so the creditor is going to take her two sons away as slaves. And so Elijah talks to her. and He basically asks her how he can help and what did she have in the house. And she says this in verse 2. She says, your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. Now, Elijah's words to this woman seem just as strange as Elijah's words to the woman who found herself in a similar situation. He says this in verse 3 and 4. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. She's probably thinking, what are I going to do selling empty jars? They're not worth anything. They're clay pots. They're garbage. He says, don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled Put, to, put it to one side. Now, when I read this story, I'm thinking, from the woman, it would have made a whole lot more sense if the prophet said to me, go to all your neighbors and see if you can scrounge some oil. Not jars. The jars weren't worth anything. The oil would have provided the money to pay off the creditors. But Elisha tells her to ask for jars. And he says this, and don't ask for just a few. Ask for as many as you can get. Go everywhere. Knock on all the doors. Call in all your favors. Get as many jars as you can. Friends, this is a simple thought, but I believe this is absolutely key. In order for the anointing of God to not run dry in our lives, we need to deliberately be sharing the anointing and the blessings of God with others. Do you hear me this morning? We need to share the presence of God. We need to share the anointing, the blessings. We need to to share all that we receive from the Lord, looking for opportunities to share it, or it is going to run dry. I say this in all reverence, but we don't need to pray for more anointing. We don't need to pray for more gifts and more resources and more abilities and more oil. In fact, sometimes we excuse ourselves by believing that, well, we're not like so-and-so. We don't have that anointing. We don't have those abilities. So God really can't use me, so I guess I'm, I'm off the hook. I believe the Lord says to us in this passage, don't ask for more oil. Ask for more jars. If there are more jars, I'll pour in more oil. And the more jars that you bring, the more oil I will pour, and it will keep flowing as long as there are empty jars. You see, the sons keep bringing more jars. And instead of running dry, the oil keeps on flowing until all the widow's jars are filled. It only stops flowing when there are no more jars. I believe this morning the oil of God's anointing will stop flowing when you stop finding jars that you can share your blessings with. As long as there are new containers to hold the Spirit's oil, the anointing will keep on flowing going on friends we need to be praying not for more anointing not for more blessing not for more goosebumps not for more of the lord to pick us up and get us through another week you know what we need to pray for we need to pray for more opportunities amen we need to wake up in the morning and not just say lord watch over me Lord, protect me. Lord, provide for me. We are the children of God. Do you not as evil people know how to give good things to your children, Jesus said? That's taken care of. The only thing Jesus said to pray is pray for more laborers in the field. That's what you need to ask the Father for. Pray when you get up in this morning in the morning. Pray for opportunities. God, use me, I pray today. Oh God, I pray for one of those divine encounters. I pray for one of those things that only you can arrange. I pray, oh God, for a fresh anointing upon my life that I know that I'm going to experience when you bring me into contact with an empty jar. I don't want to put Leon on the spot, but I'm, I'm sure I can say, brother, this morning, that when you prayed for that lady, you felt the anointing. Amen. And I believe that when he walked away from that car back into Walmart, he had to stop himself from breaking out in tongues. Because the Spirit of God, doesn't that happen to you? I've had it happen to me. You walk away from those divine appointments, and the Holy Spirit is still on you. And you just want to begin to worship Him in your spiritual language because the river's flowing up within you. The anointing is there because you found an empty jar, and you laid your hand upon it. You chose to minister to it, and the oil started to flow. And you got blessed. I love that old hymn. The chorus says, He will fill your heart today to overflowing. As the Lord commandeth you, bring your vessels, not a few. He will fill your heart today with overflowing, with the Holy Ghost and fire, power. I believe the people around us this morning, friends, are empty jars. They are empty of all those things that only Jesus can produce in people's lives. And you know what? When you step out to share your blessing with others, two things happen. Number one, they are filled. And number two, your oil just continues to flow even more. And that's only the beginning. The jars of the widow was the the jars that the widow was to look for. They had three characteristics. They had to be bored from the neighbors. They had to be empty. And they had to be not Just a few. I believe with all my heart this morning, friends, today, if you will make the commitment, and if you begin to pray, you will come before the Lord and ask for jars and not just oil. God will send you people to bless and people to minister to. And you'll get your oil, but it will flow as a product of the jars, the empty vessels that you are looking for. All of a sudden, you begin to see people in a whole new way. All of a sudden, when you begin to look for those opportunities, you don't begin to experience, you don't just experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, you actually begin to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given as the Spirit discerns, as the Spirit decides is most needed. And when you're in a place of ministry, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need. And what you'll discover is when you start looking for those empty jars and those opportunities, you will not only experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit well enough in that place, you will begin to experience, for example, words of knowledge. The Lord will drop something in your heart about that person something very specific about that person. And God will use you not only to pray for them, whatever ministry it is that he wants you to exercise at that moment, but God will use you to bring the touch of God upon that person. I don't know how many times in simply stepping out and being willing to talk, to share, to care, to listen, to lay hands upon and to pray, the person would say, I felt something. Anybody? I felt something. You want to bet you felt something. That was God. And you know what? You feel something too. And you feel like rejoicing because the anointing is flowing in your life. You will minister in very specific ways. And as that happens, God's anointing will increase in your life. The only time the oil runs dry is when there are no more vessels to fill. How many be honest enough to say, yeah, pastor, I know what you're saying. When I cease to be a ministering person, I dry up. I do. That's why i got to preach every Sunday, just to keep me full. But it's not about just here. Through the course of the week, I need to be saying in every opportunity, Lord, would you use me? You know, our thinking is so backward. You know, you know we sit on a plane. What's our first prayer? Oh, God, I pray nobody sits beside me. Right? Right? Because it's about me. Why should our prayer not be as I'm getting my ticket, Lord, I pray, place the person Who needs your touch today? I've got a captive audience for four hours, six hours, whatever it may be. Lord, I pray for the person in this plane that needs your touch today. I'm going to ask Pastor Kristen to join me. Speaking of God's glory, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Jesus the potter invites ordinary people like you and me to live in the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that ordinary people around us who are looking for so many things can experience just a touch of the person of Jesus Christ. The the power, the presence, the love, the forgiveness, the, the, the erasing of shame, whatever it is the Lord knows that they need, the deliverance, the freedom, whatever it is, the Lord wants to minister through us. And He will if we will just obey His prompting and step out. Maybe this morning you're feeling hopeless, like that widow in Zarephath. Maybe you feel like there's very little anointing left. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning. Do not believe the lie that you have been destined to just dry up and die. Wherever you are this morning, don't believe for a moment that what you get on Sunday, that's all there is for you. This is for you every single day. And if you're feeling this morning that maybe you've, been, you've known the anointing in the past, but you say, Pastor, I just, don't, I just don't feel it today. I want to encourage my friends, be open to a new anointing. Be an open to a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then ask for jars to share the oil with so the anointing never runs dry. I love the words of John, and I'll finish with these. John said, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And what else does he say? And that anointing, it's real. It's real. The anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit, friends, he's in you. He is in you. And you may feel like, Pastor, I just feel so dry. I feel so ineffective. You know, when these guys have been sharing the last couple Sundays or people give their testimony, I think, oh, that's wonderful. I'm happy for them. But that kind of stuff doesn't happen in me. Friends, it happens in you. It will happen in you. You just have to make a decision. You just have to say, oh, Lord, I know that you live within me. I pray, would you start living through me? Lord, help me by your grace and by your spirit to obey you. Help me, Lord, to look for and to pray for opportunities. Help me when the opportunity comes to step out. And if I say no to you once and twice and three times, I pray by your grace, take me by the shoulders and turn me around because, Lord, I want a living faith. I'm tired of a dead faith. I'm tired of a dried up faith. I'm tired of a faith that's in my head, but it doesn't make any difference in lives around me, needs all around me, and all I do is go to church. I'm supposed to be the church in my culture. I'm supposed to care and step out because Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other Jesus. He he really is the way. And John says, listen, my children, you have an anointing. Whatever you might feel right now, you have an anointing. It remains in you. And this anointing, it's so real. It's so real. But you just got to open up your heart to a fresh anointing. And Then you just say, Lord, as you fill me, show me the opportunities and give me grace and courage to step out and to minister. And when you do, the oil will continue to flow and it will increase and it will increase and it will increase and you realize you know what it's not about you It's not about how you look. It's not about whether or not God shows up or you fail or make a fool of yourself. It's just being obedient. He probably says that that God has placed this treasure, his glory, his presence, his anointing in ordinary earthen vessels like you and me. It doesn't matter what we look like on the outside. We're just jars of clay. We're broken. We're cracked. We're leaked. We don't have it all together. But the amazing thing is God can do supernatural things through us in the lives of others that they may understand that this is God. It's not you. It's God. I'm going to ask the altar team to come this morning. If they can just slip out for a moment and just stand. I want to invite us this morning as we close the service. I want to advise you to find a place and come. If you must slip out, you're dismissed. I want to encourage you this morning to come. You may be wrestling in your heart this morning, whatever the issue may be, whatever the reason may be, what "Ah, I'm tired of asking for this, or, or God let me down, whatever it may be, or I feel dry. This is the time to come and allow the Holy Spirit to touch you afresh and to give you a fresh anointing, a new anointing. We just stand with you this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, but you've felt his presence, I want to invite you to come and stand with one of these people and say, I want to receive Jesus into my heart. Because the Lord doesn't want you just to feel his presence out here. He wants to come into your life so that he lives within you and overflows from you. All oh, a lot of difference. He wants to give you an anointing that remains. It abides and it never runs dry. The altar is open this morning. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, whatever your need may be, but I want to encourage you in the pew or around this altar to say, Lord, I pray this morning for a fresh anointing. I want to be alive to you. I'm tired of drying up. I feel like I'm dying, if I'm honest. And yet, you've come to give me life in all its fullness. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that your word would not be forgotten, that you would abide within us that, Lord, your word would work at us all week long. I pray for a fresh touch upon every brother and sister in this place. I pray for a new touch upon those who may not know you this morning. I pray for salvation. I pray for joy, forgiveness, and cleansing in their heart this morning by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come, I pray. You're here. May our hearts be open to you. Come in thy strength and thy power. Come in a powerful way this morning, I pray. In every heart that's open to you, I pray for fresh anointing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 The Lord bless you this morning, saints. Come get your fill this morning. Come be filled afresh. Come be raised a new life this morning. Make it your prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's worship the Lord, and as we do, let's allow him to do what he's here to do this morning. In every one of our hearts, in Jesus' name.